Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Today we have a show, especially for those of you who might feel a bit trapped at times in the routine of everyday life. The daily grind of work or just the experience of time zipping by while everything you have to do keeps piling up. Ever had that? Aren't there other ways you could approach your life, your work, and everything else to succeed at fulfilling the true purpose you're here for? Well, of course, there are. Our show, after all, is about living the miracle every day. So we'll all have fun in this episode exploring how you can take your nose off of the grindstone to succeed. Many of you have undoubtedly heard of the phrase, keep your nose to the grindstone, implying that you need to work steadily and conscientiously to get the job done well. That use came from the early days of milling cereal grains into flour with what's called a grist mill, consisting of two large milling stones grinding down the grain. It is said that the miller's assistant was told to keep his nose to the grindstone attentively and stop the mill if he smelled anything strange because that meant the grain ran out or perhaps something else was in there that didn't belong and the stones were grinding against each other. Even though the idea may have been that if you kept your nose to the grindstone, you would most likely succeed, doing something continuously without a break for long hours can often become counterproductive. We need a break from continuously doing a particular thing periodically, not just because we would get tired, but perhaps even more so we'd get bored and tired of doing it nonstop. That's even true for activities that we like doing and are generally good for us. I remember in my younger days when I was into exercising at the gym to stay trim, fit, strong, and healthy, My nemesis to succeed was, you guessed it, boredom. I didn't like exercising that much. It it wasn't that I didn't like actually doing it. It just was boring to me. I found that I needed to listen to music or watch something interesting on the big TV screen while I jogged in place on the treadmill to keep from quitting in boredom. I liked exercising, but I didn't like not having my mind engaged in something interesting. It's kind of how I'm made up. Like driving, I also always need to be listening to something while I'm driving. No matter how interesting or fun something may be, if it becomes a long, repetitive activity, I tended to lose my interest and motivation. Probably most of us has some form of that experience. What makes it difficult to stick with something if it can't hold our interest and attention? 
what makes it difficult to stick with something if it can't hold our interest and attention. For one thing, I start to think of much better or more productive or more enjoyable things I could be doing instead. That's because we are all highly creative beings, even those of you that don't think you're so smart. As souls, we are creating all of the time. If we don't allow ourselves the freedom and space to express the many facets of our inner creativity, we begin wilting like a flower without water and sunshine. Our creative expression is our expression of life. If we don't give that creative life force within us an appropriate outlet of expression, we stop living fully, meaning we stop experiencing that creative power of life in us because we're not giving it anywhere to go. I'm sure you've all had experiences of being cornered by someone who talks to you nonstop without any pauses between sentences or paragraphs or chapters or the whole doggone book for that matter. How you can't get a word in yourself edgewise in what you thought would be a two-way conversation. Yet it's not a conversation since only one of you is actually getting to say anything. And usually in a case like that, the chatty person bounces off the wall of subjects. None of them seem to lead anywhere fruitful. It seems they are saying out loud whatever thoughts enter their mind at any moment. They're just reading all the pictures that come up in their mind. They don't make any space for you to respond in any way to their barrage of words. Creatively, you might feel like you're up against the wall facing the firing squad, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? <laughs> what you're seeing in such a case is what happens to the continuous creativity of the soul if that soul doesn't create the appropriate space and pathway to channel their creative energies in some kind of organized and purposeful fashion. Without that, their wonderful and lively creative energy becomes a big armored tank that runs over everyone in sight. It isn't directed in a way that benefits anyone in any way. Good talent, bad script. Keeping your nose to the grindstone takes it to another extreme. It's highly directed and has a definite purpose But without variety and movement, it becomes stagnant. You have to train, rehearse, and build up endurance to dance to a complex choreography, but you'll come alive when you do. On the other hand, if you have to stand in one place at attention for hours at end, which some people have to do for a living, by the way, you'd probably need a lot more care and time to recover from it. Creativity has to be expressed correctly or it backfires. That's where the adage, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, becomes important. Jack isn't a dull boy to start with. He's just as creative and talented as anyone else. Yet what makes him dull is having to keep his nose to the grindstone for too long without the movement and enjoyment of creative expression. It becomes a kind of mental torture for the all-creative soul. We hired a most wonderful, kind, and capable gardener many, many years ago to mow our lawn and take general care of our yard. He was great at everything he did, 
And he did so many things for our yard on his own that was above and beyond his job. Michael took some time to befriend him because the Vietnamese man spoke hardly any English when he first started with us. Over time, the man was able to have simple conversations with us. One time, Michael asked him if he had been a gardener in Vietnam or he had a different profession there. He told Michael that he was a high school math teacher in Vietnam. This fascinated Michael, and he asked him why he decided to go into gardening as a profession when he moved to the U.S. He replied that since he couldn't read, write, or speak English well enough, he wouldn't qualify for teaching and as well as other professions. He said his first choice for a new career in the U.S. was to be a cabinet maker. He was artistic and fond of making things with his hands, so he was delighted when he applied for a cabinet-making job and was hired. He thought he would be apprenticed to a cabinet-maker and learn the new trade. Much to his dismay, he was immediately put to work making cabinets on a manual assembly line. He was a tiny cog in a big machine where many so-called cabinet makers sat almost shoulder to shoulder along a conveyor belt of all things, and his specific job was to screw in the same screws on one door of the same model cabinet, one after the other, that came down the assembly line. He did that eight hours a day. He said it took him all of two days before he couldn't stand it anymore. Although he used he was used to hard work and was willing to work hard, he felt that job was a grueling experience even after two days. He did, however, learned that he had to have some degree of creative freedom in whatever kind of job he took on. Otherwise, it wasn't going to work for him at all. Finding nothing that allowed him to have even a little creative license uh, on the job market, he decided to take over the gardening business from someone who was moving out of the area. Taking care of people's yards and gardens gave him some kind of creative outlet he needed. Like the gardener as a creative soul, you can't succeed for long if you've had to have your nose constantly to the grindstone or be stuck in the rut of daily routine. Well, I don't think I've ever really considered getting a job that would require me to do the same things every day for some business or organization. The only long-term position I held in a job what I call a job job, was (laughs) when I taught in and directed. So even though I worked for a nonprofit organization that I I wasn't the one, the founder of it, I had pretty much complete free creative license. In my younger days, I regularly worked 90 to 120 hours each seven-day week, seven days a week. (laughs) You could do that sometimes when you're younger. When you make use of the opportunity to express your creativity all the time, you're much more alive and energetic. Of course, now that I just celebrated my 69th year here in my current incarnation, I'm slowing down considerably from when I was in my 20s through 40s. Nonetheless, I'm still working seven days most weeks, (laughs) not just 12 to 18 hours each day, however. Okay, I've... 
never had any trouble working as long as I was healthy enough to work. But the times when I did struggle doing the things I needed to do was always when I thought I'd rather be doing something else. Yeah. Uh-huh. Raphael remarked to me several times over the years how amazing it was that I could be practically dead, but I could come alive in time to teach, even for hours on end, or sometimes days on end. And at first, I just laughed about it. But then one day, years ago, I read a story about Morihei Ueshiba, the legendary founder of Aikido, in his later years when he was nearing his death. He would be so weak with his illness and age that he couldn't walk the short distance between his house and his dojo where his students learned and practiced. So he had his advanced students put together a stretcher and several of them would carry him as he lay on it to the dojo. He would just continue to lie on the stretcher while the students warmed up and practiced their routines and you know the advanced teachers, student teachers would, would teach them. And he'd just watch. Then when it was time to teach his most advanced black belt students who were the teachers of the classes, he would ask them to help him up and once they helped him stand up, he would give them instructions. Then he would have those students attack him, I mean, without holding back, so he could demonstrate what he was instructing them about. Even though his top students were charging him ferociously without holding back, he moved so easily and swiftly that they couldn't even get to him. <laughs> Some of those students swore that he literally disappeared from where he was standing and reappeared behind them. After he finished his demonstrations, he would get, get help to lie down on the stretcher again and have them carry him back to his bedroom in his house. <laughs> when I read that, it made complete sense to me. When you love what you do and you are offering it out of love, you can do what seems impossible to most people. That is essentially the basis of all miracles and the foundation of living the miracle each day. Even when our physical vehicle, the body, is failing in some way and we may not be able to do things like we used to do when it was totally well, when we can fully show up for a while to do what we wholeheartedly love and offer it with love, there's nothing we can't do. I experience a similar thing whenever I teach. As exhausted or ill as I may have been up to that point, when I'm to start to teach a two-hour class, an all-weekend seminar, or uh, even a three- to five-day retreat intensive, I can come alive and teach for the duration. I find that it even helps me in my own healing and can heal from the exhaustion or illness more quickly. So what does that mean in terms of those times when you might be perfectly healthy and energetic yet find it hard to succeed in accomplishing what you need to get done? Ah, I've been there many times as well. <laughs> I find that we're all a bit like our kitties. Our kitties, Raphael and mine. When it comes to that, our cats are like ninjas at mealtimes. 
they seem to appear out of nowhere and they're on our case to feed them. Yet when Raphael starts preparing the towels for their bathing, <laughs> I guess they're still like ninjas in reverse. They seem to disappear and are nowhere to be found. <laughs> Remember what I mentioned about showing up. The difference uh, in our success at anything is proportional to how much we show up to do it. The cats, especially Merlin the male cat, shows up 150% for their meals. They always succeed in that with flying colors for having their meals. Yet they disappear for what they don't like doing. <laughs> Most of us tend to do the same thing, right? Whatever I love and whatever I love doing, I show up for a lot more than for what I really rather not have to do. I've realized that when I don't show up more fully for doing certain things, I not only don't do them as well, but I also get more tired and am not as happy. It's pretty obvious to me that I would have to take my nose off of the grindstone if I hope to succeed at what I'm doing and enjoy happiness and fulfillment in doing it. So then, how exactly do you take your nose off of whatever your grindstone has been? Well, going back to Raphael's little tidbit about how that particular saying came to be, how we end up unwittingly putting our noses to the grindstone as, it, as a result of how we are treating ourselves within our own mind. Well, our first break just snuck up on us. And we'd like to tell you about an important event we have coming up on Saturday, October 1st through Monday, October 3rd. I believe that is this weekend for our special Zoom online retreat seminar for our German and or English speaking friends and students in Switzerland, Germany and elsewhere. Michael will teach an extraordinary in-depth and comprehensive online retreat seminar titled What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. Tapping into your intuition, clairvoyance, and creative power, which will be in English with immediate translation into German. Organized and hosted by our good friends Wolfgang and Marianne Jaeger of Im Licht in Zurich, this retreat seminar will be accessible online or by phone via Zoom globally. So the schedule for the events, of course, will be different for different time zones. For those of you in Switzerland, Germany, and anywhere in Central European time zone, the Saturday and Sunday seminar sessions will be from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. or 1400 to 2100 UR. With two 20-minute and one 60-minute breaks, and the Monday evening session will be from 7 to 9 p.m. or 1900 to 2100 UR. Find out all the details and to sign up online at the following website, imlicht.ch, that's I, Amazon, Mary, L-I-C-H-T dot C-H, or contact Wolfgang Jaeger in German or English at forum at imlicht.ch. You can also go to our website, michaeltamora.com, for details in English, along with contact information for the event organizer. In just a bit, we'll continue with taking your nose off of the grindstone to succeed. We'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you love living the miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tamora. Beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at MichaelTamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. We're happy to have you back. Thank you for tuning in. Before we go on to our next section, I just wanted to remind everyone that... um, Our show, Living the Miracle, can be found on a lot of different platforms. I'm going to list them here. Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Apple Podcast. So um, my understanding is you can find them very easily on these. So... There you have it. When you're traveling around, you can still listen to our show. All right. For those of you just joining us, today's topic has been taking your nose off of the grindstone to succeed. You need to express your inner creativity to truly succeed and be happy in your life. Let's find out more about how you can get yourself out of the daily grind and create something new. Yes. Before the break, I was just getting started on, uh, you know, referring back to Raphael's little story about how that particular saying came to be, you know, how we, how we end up unwittingly putting our noses to the grindstone, whatever that grindstone may be for you. I mean, most of us are not Miller's <laughs> or Miller's assistants, so we don't have to smell the grindstone to, to make sure it doesn't catch on fire or, or uh, not fire, but, you know, grind ground down without anything in between. But it's, it's a result of how we're treating ourselves within our own mind. So you don't have to have some kind of controlling and demanding boss at work, forcing your nose to the daily grind at work or anybody else in your life for that matter. In fact, ultimately, you do that to yourself internally, even if you do blame it on someone else. 
for most people, the, their toughest and most unforgiving boss is, guess who? Themselves. <laughs> How many times have you demanded of yourself to finish the job at all costs or under the threat that if you don't meet the deadline, you won't get the contract or you'll be fired with all the terrible consequences of that? How often do you find yourself making yourself hurry up and do something you don't like doing just to get it out of the way so you could devote your time to other things you'd rather be doing? Putting any kind of demand upon yourself harshly is keeping your nose to some kind of grindstone. If you keep that up, your nose will be bleeding at least emotionally, mentally, and creatively, and you won't be a happy camper. <laughs> you can't force yourself to show up and fully show up, can you? No. Showing up physically is just a small part of showing up. The bigger and more powerful part of showing up for anything is you being present psychically as spirit beingness, awareness, energy, and creativity. It's when you are truly present as the aware creative beingness that you are that you succeed fully and experience the joy of being creatively alive. The more present you are in that way, the more effective and productive you would be in accomplishing anything. When you're fully present, you won't be worried or thinking about being anywhere or doing anything else. Ah, That means when you are wanting to be somewhere else or doing something other than what you're doing at the moment is when you are not fully present where you need to be. When Raphael gave you one of her examples from earlier in her life about needing to occupy her mind with something far more interesting than the monotonous repetition of jogging on the treadmill at the gym so she can get her needed exercise, she would listen to music she loved or watch an interesting show on the big screen TV in the gym. Would that mean she wasn't fully present to her task of at hand of uh, exercising on the treadmill. She was actually more present doing what she needed to do because she was occupying her mind at the same time as she exercised. She was using her mind to stay interested in being more present to her exercising when the kind of exercise she had to do was quite boring to her. That's the opposite of some angry teens that put on their headsets or turn on their PlayStation as soon as a parent they didn't want to listen to starts talking to them. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> they aren't using what they like to do to help them be more present to those they need to be with and to be communicating with. They're using it to shut something out so that they wouldn't be present for it. Uh-huh. So you could use the same outward practice to do either. You could listen to the music to shut everybody else out and, and isolate yourself and not be present to what you need to be present to. Or you could use it to be very present to what you're doing. It depends on how you occupy your mind. To be more present physically to what you're doing or to distance yourself more mentally, emotionally, and psychically from where you don't want to be. Because physically, if you're still there, you know, you're there physically. 
But that's, again, much smaller part of being present. Because presence, your presence, is you being present. You're not the body, remember. You're spirit. Whatever you do to help you be more fully present to the task at hand will get you out of keeping your nose to the grindstone because you can't be present other than just as a physical body if you're forcing yourself to be present or to do something. So anytime you recognize you're making yourself be here to do this even though you don't want to, ah, you're not going to be very present. Physically, yeah, your body's there, but are you going to do a good job? Probably not. Are you going to succeed? Eh, at most, barely. At worst, not at all. <laughs> Are you going to be happy? No, you're going to suffer. Ah, not because somebody else is forcing you anything. It's the way you approach it in your own mind. What will help you be more present to a person or an activity or a place is to welcome yourself more to it, to make it a safe and enjoyable experience. And that's all in how you look at what you're doing, where you are, or who you're with. It's your internal relationship with yourself in that situation. If you're angry and demanding and expecting of yourself, there's not much of a space for communication and relationship. If, on the other hand, you're kind and welcoming and happy with yourself doing whatever it is. It'll make it much more attractive to your psychic self to show up and have a great experience. It's not too different from getting someone to show up for you to help you do something, right? If you make it a thoroughly unappetizing or uninteresting or even a oh, yuck, horrible prospect, you won't entice many people to show up. Yet if you present yourself and what you're proposing in enthusiasm, enjoy and educate your candidates about what would make their participation memorable to them, you'll probably have several who would be chomping at the bit to help you out. You have to create an attractive opportunity for your invitees. In the same way, you have to offer that to yourself if you'd like to show up fully and enjoy yourself succeeding at something that initially didn't seem worth it to you. All very good words. Um, I wanted to address a trend that's going on right now that I've seen over and over and over again on social media. And that is, um, I have mentioned this in other shows, but I want to bring it up again because I think this is a good place to bring it up. And that's something that is being called quiet quitting. Now, my understanding of quiet quitting is the person isn't actually quitting, but they're setting a boundary of I'm, I'm coming in when you said I can come in, which is like eight or nine in the morning, and I am done with my day at 5 p.m. and I'm not going to do anything further. Now, while that's a really, in one on one hand, a great idea of setting boundaries the energy around quiet quitting that I've been looking at is a level of punishing the employer because everyone is a little bit stretched and we need to uh, sometimes be called on to do more work above and beyond what, what we have been assigned to do. 
And that's the nature of business. Michael and I have a business, so we know sometimes uh, we have to work extended hours and sometimes we even have to ask the people working for us to to work with us on those extended hours. And, And if they don't, things don't get done. So, but that we don't do it all the time. So that's, you know, one exception. So I wanted to say hello to those who are quiet quitting by setting those boundaries with their employers, but also on the level of what about your enthusiasm for your work? If you're not enjoying the work that you're doing, maybe it's time to start to look for something where your creative energy is so turned on in the sense that you wouldn't mind working overtime occasionally and that sort of thing. And I would also appeal to those of you who are employers whose employees are quiet quitting to take a new look at what kind of pressure are you putting your employees under uh, so that they feel so much like having their nose to the grindstone and they don't have a choice and they're going to be punished if they don't work that overtime you're asking them to work. So that's a really interesting thing going on because we're not robots. You know, the, the, somebody has to do the assembly line work in a sense to get things done. But as far as what I'm seeing, for instance, in that example of cabinet making is a lot of that stuff is now automated because really uh, human beings don't want to stand on an assembly line and screw in one screw to one spot in a, in a cabinet front over and over and over again for eight hours a day unless they're utterly, utterly desperate for money. And so the, as things get more and more automated, we have a lot more space to be creative with how we spend our time, including our employment time. <clears throat> yeah, and, and the idea of taking your nose off of the grindstone isn't just about work situations. It could be at home. It could be in relationships. It could be in a social circle. It could be anything. It's... The, the idea of that grindstone is, is something you, you're involved in on a regular basis. And in most cases, what, did, what made you get involved in, in that in a regular basis in the first place? Well, you know, we've all been through situations where when we first hatched the idea, we're, we're highly creative and and you might have just met somebody in the park and they happen to be a jogger and you happen to be a jogger and and you go, hey, we should jog together. <laughs> and at the time, it sounds like a fantastic idea. You have a jogging com- you know, partner. And so everybody's excited and, and they go, OK, great. Yeah, we'll meet at, you know six o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning and we'll jog and we'll meet here and then we'll jog for a mile or whatever, two or 18 miles or what? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't, but, <laughs> but uh, uh, then it starts off really well. But then obviously if you're jogging together over time, you know, you get to know each other more and, and then you, one of you might start to find out, or both of you might find out the other. You ah, we're not compatible. <laughs> it's like a torture session for the entire run. Uh, uh, of course, you know what can you do? Well, it can motivate you to 
oh, run faster. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's somehow you have to get into amusement about it first, right? Because, because you're going, okay, I don't like this. I thought it was a good idea, but I, I can't stand this anymore. Just like the our gardener from way back when, when he first applied and got the job, his picture of being a cabinet maker's helper was, oh, he could learn a new trade. It was like it, a skilled trade. Yeah, a skilled trade because that's what he uh, imagined from his childhood and growing up in Vietnam. That's what it was like for him there. The, the local furniture makers, cabinet makers, they made beautiful works of art, and it was an apprenticeship. They take on their new hire, and the, the new hire might have not got paid very much, but nah, they learned a whole uh, art and craft and um, until they became a, a master cabinet maker. And that's that was his idea of applying for the job and, and getting it. So he was really excited when he first got it, but it only took him two days to go, oh my God, what did I get myself yeah, into? Right? So you, sometimes you do have to back out of something like that because that's part of your learning curve. It's nothing you did wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. Nobody did anything wrong. And, and it's just, oh, now I learned. And once you learn something, and if what you learned was, oh, this is not a good fit. <laughs> I just realized I thought it was, but I was seeing a different picture than what I thought this was about. And, and so I've been through that many times in my life, but it's never been uh, a, quote, mistake or, or something bad you did. It's just like, oh, okay, I learned a lesson. Great. And then I pull back and go, okay, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not going to do the this. Next thing. Yeah, on to the next thing. Well, our second break is coming right up, and I wanted to remind you that Michael's award-winning book, You Are the Answer, makes a wonderful gift for anyone searching for answers about their true purpose for being here. It's available from Amazon, or if you'd like to purchase a copy signed personally for you by Michael himself, just call our office at 530-926-2650 and speak with our assistant, Debbie, and she will get that set up for you. Also, for any of you who would like to go further on your spiritual path, self-healing, and psychic development, we have all kinds of audio classes, courses, all-day seminars, and retreats available to purchase and download. You can find many of the titles and descriptions by clicking on the Download Audio tab in the Events section of our website, michaeltamora.com, or by calling our office, as I said. We'll return in just a couple of minutes to continue with Taking Your Nose Off of the Grindstone to Succeed. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at MichaelTamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. The best book ever. 
transformational, incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational, a must-read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back. Routines are necessary, but you can't truly succeed in your life if you get stuck in a rut. So what do you need to do to take your nose off of the grindstone and succeed? That's a topic worth exploring further. Let's continue. So before the break, I was I gave part of the uh, answer, part of the example of, you know, sometimes when we get into something on a creative uh, idea and it's it sounds great at first and but once you start after a short while even you learn oh it's not a good fit uh, i i'm not meant to be here this isn't a good fit for me <clears throat> then sometimes the thing is oh you just have to go great i learned my lesson and i need to move on i need to create something different than what i got myself into sometimes that's difficult but it's got to be done Otherwise, you're, you're just creating a miserable situation for yourself to, and prolonging your suffering and probably the people around you. But the other side is sometimes that's not the case. It's not like you learn, okay, this isn't meant for me. You, you still would like to do this. This is a great idea and, and it should work, but something's not working for you and you feel like that, you know, it's drudgery or it's turned into like the daily grind and what you were born to do and it's just not working for you, but you, it's not the right thing to just quit and, and change course. Or you can't, it's, you have to change course, but it's going to take you a while. And in the meantime, you have a family to feed or, or just yourself. <laughs> and there are no other opportunities for you right away or whatever the situation you're in. And you feel like, okay, I'm trapped. I can't leave, but I have to stay, but I don't want to stay in that case. Or when you want to stay and try to work it out because it's what you need to be doing. So either way, then it's how you relate to it has to change. If you can't change the outside of it or you don't want to change the outside of it, then you have to change definitely your inside. Oh, yeah, 
okay, I'm not happy doing this the way I'm doing it. In one case, it might be I'm, I'm happy, I want to do this, but the way I'm doing it isn't working for me. Then you have to look at, oh yeah, how am I going about this? And one of the major things, once again, is, oh yeah, I stopped being present right in the beginning. I was very present to do this because I was excited. I wanted to do it. I'm happy to do it. I look forward to do it and everything. I set myself up to do it, to be here to do it. But what got me in the place where, oh yeah, I haven't been present to do this for a while now. Hmm. Oh, and the longer I haven't been really showing up for this, the worse it's been getting for me. Ah. So you got to find out how come you're not being present? What's chasing you away from being fully here to do this thing? Because unless you're fully here, you're not going to be able to change in a creative, better way to do this differently so that it would be so much better for you and probably for everybody else around you too. But you got to be present. So the further away you go, the, you know, the more you resist being here, you don't want to do uh, This is no good anymore. Blah, blah, blah. I'm unhappy. You're not going to change anything. So you have to make up the decision. You have to make up your mind and decide, oh, yeah, uh, I want to change this. That's what I, uh, yeah, I want to still do this, but I'd like to do it differently. Let's change how I go about it. But I have to get myself here, present to do that, to be creative. All right, let's get myself here. I can't force myself. I got to invite myself. I got to, I got to. You know, give myself some encouragement, enthusiasm, perks. <laughs> it's in a way like being at that job you don't care for, but you can't quit right away. Um, I've been in that situation in my distant past. And what I found was I was a lot happier if I just decided because I have to stay here, I'm not going to be spending all my time wishing I wasn't here because yes. that is just miserable. Instead, what I would practice is putting my whole heart and soul and, and work into what I was there to do. And like the quiet quitters, I would stop on time. Um, of course, a lot of times I had two jobs, so I would have to leave one job for another job. I think most of my adult life, I always had two jobs. So I had to set that boundary, not because I was quiet quitting, but because I was working for someone else <laughs> or myself in, in the later cases. Now, there's another thing I'd like to address here, and that's routines. Some of you get really stuck in your routines. Uh, we, we love talking about our cats because they are such a great example of so many things. And our two cats, especially, they're 11 going on 12 years old now, and they definitely have their routines. But even they will break from routine every now and then because I, I think for them it gets boring too. It's about their survival, and sometimes they're not happy if I don't do things just so for them. But they actually show me themselves. Like one of the things is when I'm bringing their food, 
they are locked into a room because otherwise they, they would be crawling all over the counters while I'm fixing their food. So they're locked in their room for eating. And then when I open the door, they love to do this little uh, running around me a couple times before they uh, settle in to eat. Well, this morning when I opened the door, our male cat Merlin ran out, which he sometimes does. He runs out and then comes right back. This time he ran out and went out to the other room, which surprised (laughs) the heck out of me because he never breaks from routine. But when he came back, he came, he did come back as soon as I put his food dish down. His picture was, I just wanted to do something different today. Mm -hmm. And that is sometimes a, a really good example of how to start to get your nose off of the grindstone of your routines by doing something just a little differently. So the energy shifts, you know, you're shifting the energy to something else so that you can see that you have more space to create something new that's more in affinity with you. Because a lot of times we grow out of our routines or we grow out of our jobs or we grow out of our relationships even, you know, we We've grown as much as we can with that person, and it's time to make a shift. And rather than punishing that other person like quiet quitters are doing with their employers, you know, don't punish that other person. Bring it back to you. What is it you're really looking for if you want to make a change? And bring it back to your inner self. Yep, that's exactly the most important part is, once again, it's about your creativity, You're a totally creative being. It doesn't matter if you think you're creative or not creative. Every single soul is fully, 100% creative. And not only that, but you're creating all of the time. If you exist, you are creating. And so in this world of time and space, you need to give your creativity time and space for expression. The only difference between each of us is what we're creating and how we're going about our creating and expressing it and or how much we're, we're giving ourselves space to express it or not. And so much of the so-called negativity is when the soul doesn't give itself a full permission and space to an appropriate space to create what they're creating into. So it becomes a full expression of themselves here in this world. If you don't do that, it gets backed up. Ah, And, you know, if your plumbing gets backed up, it's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) One that has to be fixed pretty quickly. Yeah, it's got to be fixed or it's going to cause a lot of damage. Not because you shouldn't have plumbing, no, but because, and not because, water let's say running through plumbing is is bad no it's great it's absolutely necessary but uh, you're not it's not going all the way through then it causes all kinds of collateral damage the same with your creativity it's power your creativity is your life power and if you don't give it a proper channel to flow into it's gonna back up and start causing even havoc in your life it causes you know it affects your relationships it affects your health it affects your work it affects everything yeah i'd like to add to that too is another area here is that of discipline people don't like that word very much but discipline is 
training yourself in a certain way or having someone train you in a certain way. So, for instance, a simple level of discipline would be cleaning your house now and then, vacuuming. You know, Michael was talking about the plumbing. If the plumbing isn't taken care of, you're going to have a problem. Not only is it going to smell bad, (laughs) it's going to damage your house. So proper care of your house or your car or whatnot is a discipline. So what about those who go into disciplines like the military or, you know, I was thinking about um, in in terms of your nose to the grindstone, what about those guards at Windsor Cam- uh, Castle in England? You know, they stand at full attention um, and don't move. Well, you can better believe they have special training and they also get breaks and everything like that. Or those of you in the military, some personalities need to learn discipline in order to get on with what they're here to do. So there's nothing wrong with that. Discipline is a good thing when it, when it is looked at correctly. It's how you can, let's say, uh, settle out those parts of yourself that just want to be a couch potato, <laughs> which a lot of people uh, need to do. All right, well, we've come to the end of our show today. And we thank you so much for joining us. We hope you, uh, we've offered some new tools that can help you succeed more in your life. We welcome you to tune in again next Wednesday to arrive at your destination to start your journey. It might be that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, but you need to see where you're headed before you can take that step in the right direction. Remember, too, that you can still sign up for our special Zoom seminar event happening this Saturday, October 1st through Monday, October 3rd, taught in English with immediate translation into German, hosted by Im Licht in Zurich, Switzerland. Find out, this is the title, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do by Tapping into Your Intuition, Clairvoyance, and Creative Power. Find out all the details in German and to sign up online at imlicht.ch or contact our event organizer in German or English at forum at imlicht.ch. You can also check our October events calendar at michaeltamora.com to get the details in English as well as all of our October events we have coming up, and we have plenty coming up, so be sure to check our website, michaeltamora.com. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. We so appreciate your tuning in, and we look forward to having you here next week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.